This is the ActiveX Back Show from Edinburgh, Scotland's vibrant capital. Hosted by award-winning registered osteopath, author and all-round pain guru, Gavin Routledge. If you want relief or prevention of lower back pain or sciatica, and you want to be healthier, keep listening. The following programme should not be taken as medical advice, but for informational purposes only. Friends, sufferers, fellow humans, lend me your ears so that I may whisper into them in order to ease your lower back pain and sciatica. This episode is entitled, Which are the best exercises to relieve sciatica? In this episode, you will learn what the two types of sciatica are, how to determine which type of sciatica you have, what matters more when deciding which exercises are best for sciatica, And finally, what can make it complicated? Now that first point, what are the two types of sciatica? I have covered this previously. Uh, In fact, the title of episode number eight is What is sciatica and do I have it? So if you haven't listened to episode number eight, I would very much encourage you to do so. But a little recap of what the two types of sciatica are, which are covered in episode eight. Essentially, we have nerve compression sciatica and non-nerve compression sciatica. Now, I'm not going to dive into what is sciatica because I have a whole episode on that, episode eight. So please go back and listen to that if you don't have, if you're not super confident that you know what sciatica is. And if you haven't listened to my stuff before, you may find there's some really surprising stuff in episode eight. So we have nerve compression sciatica. This is where one of the nerves, the tributary nerves of your sciatic nerve or even the sciatic nerve itself is being compressed or irritated. Now, the most common cause of this is a disc problem, either at L4, L5, lumbar four and five or lumbar five sacral one. This will be one of the most common causes of direct irritation or compression of one of the tributaries of your sciatic nerve, which to recap are lumbar four. So these are nerve roots. And again, if this is, if you're thinking, sitting there thinking, and this guy's going too fast, I don't know what all this L4, L5 stuff is, then go back and listen to episode eight. Okay, said it a few times now. So the tributaries of your sciatic nerve are roots or what we call nerve roots from L4, so your L4 nerve root, L5 nerve root, S1 and S2 nerve roots. They all join together deep in your pelvis to form your sciatic nerve, which then exits through the sciatic notch. And if you have irritation or compression of any one of those nerve roots, the tributaries or the main nerve itself, that is nerve compression sciatica. The other Um, type of sciatica is non-nerve compression sciatica. So you could have pain and or pins and needles in the distribution of your sciatic nerve without direct irritation or compression of one of those aforementioned nerves. How does that work? The mechanism is referred pain. So let's say you've strained a muscle in your buttock, um, but the original nerve supply to that buttock muscle is L5 then you could manifest experience pain anywhere in the distribution of your L5 nerve root. That is referred pain. Okay, so an L5 covers quite a broad area from the buttock all the way down 
the outside back of your thigh down into the calf and onto the top of the foot. So you could have sciatic radiation in that distribution without actual nerve compression or irritation. So there you go. Those are the two types of sciatica very briefly. How to determine which type of sciatica you have. Now, I don't think I really talked about this in any depth in episode eight. So this is new stuff if you're coming to this. Um, it's difficult. Uh, I would highly recommend that you consult a skilled clinician. Active-x.co.uk will get you to us. But here's a little guide. So broadly speaking, um, we, it is, oh, I'm going to bumble over this. It is widely accepted that, and this is, how many generalizations can I throw in here? As a generalization, if your pain below your knee is worse than the pain above your knee, then it is likely that you have nerve compression sciatica. If you have no pain below the knee, it is more likely that you have non-nerve compression sciatica. And the, that is a generalization, okay? Equally, if you have raging pins and needles, more likely to have nerve compression sciatica. If you have weakness in any one of your muscle groups, so for instance, the ability to lift your big toe up or the ability to go up onto the toes on that foot, so to um, lift your heel off the ground, then these are what we call motor signs. So again, it is likely that you have nerve compression sciatica in these different scenarios. So how to determine which type of sciatica you have if your pain is worse below the knee and you have raging pins and needles and weakness in one of your muscle groups, it is more likely to be nerve compression sciatica. In the absence of all of those, it's more likely to be non-nerve compression sciatica. And of course, there's a bunch of tests that we as clinicians would do to you, including testing your muscle power, reflexes, sensation, and so on, that would help to differentiate that. Now, however, that all being said, what matters more when deciding which exercises are best for your sciatica? Well, what matters more is what makes your pain worse. And again, I've covered this in previous episodes, but briefly, if, you, if the pain in your leg is increased by sitting and or bending forwards, then you should avoid movements and exercises that involve that motion, but you are more likely to benefit from exercises that involve arching your back backwards. So for instance, standing with the hands on the small of your back and arching backwards, or on all fours, uh, lifting your head and your tail up, so-called cat exercise. Um, also lying on your front, perhaps coming up onto your forearms. Uh, so march your forearms forward so that you're in that kind of sphinx position, and that would allow your back to sink into that arch. So these exercises tend or, or are more likely to relieve your pain if your pain in your leg is aggravated by bending forwards. Inversely, if the pain in your leg is worse for bending backwards, so standing arching backwards or standing for long periods, then you're more likely to benefit from exercises that involve bent curling your back forwards. 
So on all fours, camel, or some people call it cow. So arching your back up in the air as you tuck your pelvis and head down. Um, possibly even lying on your back, curling your knees up towards your chest. That may ease your pain. Um, I'd probably recommend against sitting or standing bending forwards for reasons that I'm about to mention under what can make it more complicated. But broadly, if your pain is worse in your leg, so aggravated by arching backwards, then you should be avoiding that movement and tending to curl forwards. And equally, if your pain is worse for bending forwards, then avoid that movement, but encourage arching back motions. Now, these are what I call relievers. So which exercises are best to relieve your sciatic pain? Now, there are other ones, other categories. Those are very movement dependent. Another one is what we call the wall lean, where you put, so let's say you have right-sided sciatica pain. So typically, you would put your right hand, stand about arm's length from the wall, put your right hand on the wall, and keeping a straight elbow, take your right foot off the floor and cross it over the left one. You with me? Okay, so right hand on the wall, arm's length, take the right foot off the floor, cross it over your left one, keep a straight elbow and just gently lean your hip, your right hip towards the wall. Now, as ever, the, print, the, the number one rule is use it, but don't abuse it. So if you're doing this movement and you think, oh, that's really sore, back off, don't do it. But if you're doing the movement and you can feel that the pain in your leg is easier, then I would use this wall lean exercise for relief. And the way we typically recommend you do it is to lean your hip towards the wall as far as you comfortably can. And then just at that end range, just a gentle, gentle bounce, like sort of moving through a five millimeter range of motion about eight times, then bring your hips up to level. So push away from the wall, give everything a bit of a shake down and then do it again, hand up on the wall and move the hip towards the wall. Now, some people actually are better doing the wall lean the opposite way. So they may have pain in the right leg, but they find by leaning to the left that it eases. This is uncommon but certainly worth experimenting with. Okay, so the wall lean is another one. Another one is sciatic flossing. Now, the idea with sciatic flossing is to avoid or minimize the risk that one of your nerve roots or the sciatic nerve becomes tethered by scar tissue. And, and you know, the whole area, particularly if you have a disc problem, the whole area where the nerve exits from the spinal column and where the disc is irritating it can just all become a bit gungy and fibrotic and yucky. And that would limit the motion of the nerve through the hole. So remember, as you're moving around, your back, your nerves, your muscles, all of these things are moving a little bit. The nerve isn't static in the hole. Think of it like floss. So if you're flossing, hence the term sciatic flossing, if you're flossing between your teeth, you're moving that floss. The floss doesn't just sit there, you're moving it backwards and forwards. And that stops all the gunk from building up in between your teeth. Well, it's the same thing with sciatic flossing. What we're trying to do is to move that nerve in and out of the hole. So the nerve at what we call its proximal end is attached to your spinal cord. 
and then it continues out into the periphery all the way down your leg towards the big toe. And we want to floss that section of nerve that's coming through exiting the spine. And the way you do that now, you can Google this. You can also look it up on our website, active-x.co.uk, sciatic flossing, how to do it. You'll see that you sit, perch on ideally a higher surface, so ideally not a low seat, but, you know, a little bit higher up than that. Perch on the edge, and then you lift the offending leg with a straight knee up towards you. Yep, so you're bending at the hip. But as you're doing that, you're dropping your head backwards. So as the head go, goes back, the straight leg comes up, ideally with your big toe pulled up towards you. Now, if you do this and you get a shooting pain down your leg, well, back off, uh, learn from that, and just don't be so aggressive next time you do it. You may have to tilt your head backwards before you start to lift the leg up. But the idea is, as you tilt your head backwards, you're taking the sciatic nerve off stretch because you're taking your whole spinal cord off stretch by tilting your head back. So you tilt your head back as you lift your head, uh, tilt your head back as you lift your leg up, and then as you bend the knee and relax back down again, you bend your head forwards. You can probably hear me doing it uh, in the background. So as the head hangs forward, you're stretching the spinal cord at the top, but as you bend your knee, you're taking your sciatic nerve off stretch at the bottom. Does that make sense? So head goes forward, bend the knee. As you straighten the knee and pull the big toe up towards you, you're hanging your head backwards. And you just repeat that motion, perhaps 10 times nice and slowly and easily. And ideally in a way that doesn't aggravate your pain. Yeah, so use it, but don't abuse it. And as you're doing that, you are flossing the nerve through the hole. So there you have another exercise for um, relief of sciatica. And certainly with sciatic flossing, the aim is to minimize the risk of scar tissue adhering to the nerve, uh, which can be a long-term complication, particularly related to disc problems and sciatic irritation. So that covers which exercises are best for sciatica, but oh, oh, here's the difficult bit. What can make it more complicated? Now, there are a whole bunch of things that can make this more complicated, um, but we come back to my principle of use it, but don't abuse it, which is a sound principle. I stand by it. However, when it comes to particularly disc problems, so let, we're talking here about prolapsed lumbar discs, uh, herniated discs, and so on. Um, what can make it more complicated is that the disc itself, we have to consider the healing of the disc. It isn't just about easing the nerve-related pain, whether that be nerve compression sciatica or non-nerve compression sciatica. Yes, we want to alleviate that pain. Excuse me while I take a quick drink. Yes, we want to alleviate that pain, but we also don't, or you also, do not want to aggravate the disc. You want that disc to heal. And as I have mentioned in previous episodes, the disc, if you have a tear at the back of your disc, it has to heal by the formation, essentially, of scar tissue. And while that process is going on, 
you don't want to stretch that tissue beyond its capacity to cope. Uh, sounds a bit vague, doesn't it? But I'm really sorry, I can't give you a very specific range of motion or number of repetitions. Um, but I would certainly encourage you to be a little bit cautious of stretching the back of your disc. So for instance, if you've had um, lumbar disc surgery, the surgeon will tell you not to bend forwards, not to stretch the back of the disc for the first few weeks. Now, whether you've had surgery or not, if you have a disc prolapse or a herniation, you have torn the back of your disc and it needs time to heal. So it's important during that healing time that you are not stretching the scar tissue in any aggressive fashion. So although it might ease your nerve type pain to bend forwards, if at the same time you are stretching the back of the disc and tearing that scar tissue, that's not a good thing. Now, of course, you'll think, oh, well, of course, I would know if I was stretching the scar tissue. Well, the problem is that particularly the central two thirds of your disc is what we call insensate. It doesn't have a nerve supply. So you can easily damage the disc as you may have done at the very beginning of this problem without pain. So it's the same thing when it's healing. It's possible to stretch that scar tissue without actually feeling any pain at the time. What you'll find out is the following morning and perhaps even 24 hours later, the pain is worse because now you've uh, re-established an acute inflammatory response, which is the body's natural response to any tissue damage. That inflammation will aggravate the nerve and you'll have more sciatica. Oh no. Now, so now you see what can make it more complicated. So I'm sorry that it's a bit complicated. And again, I would highly recommend that you get some, some input from someone who specializes in these sorts of things, as we do active-x.co.uk. You can have an online consultation about this via Skype or you can come and see us in person in Edinburgh's West End. But either way, it can get a bit complicated because the disc takes many weeks to heal and during that time you do not want to be what I call picking the scab. So you don't want to tear that scar tissue while it's still in its infancy. So that unfortunately can make it a little bit more complicated than just going in the opposite direction to the pain. Now at this point, you have learnt hopefully what the two types of sciatica are, how to determine which type of sciatica you have, what matters more when deciding which exercises are best for sciatica and lastly what can make it a bit complicated. If you have any questions related to this or anything else of sciatica or back pain related, please send them in. Either email them to me, gavin at active-x.co.uk or you can tweet us at activexbacks or find us on Facebook, ping us a message, activexbacks, and I will make that the topic of a future podcast. Meantime, you can use the chatbot on our site. If you go to active-x.co.uk and look under resources, you'll see we have a chatbot there. The chatbot will help to work out which exercises are best for the relief of your sciatica. And we'll even send you those exercises. Or you can book an online or in-clinic consultation if you want a personalised approach. If you haven't before, please listen to the first six episodes of the podcast. They will give you a really good understanding of how this all links together. And finally, a little request, 
please give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. We rely on these to help other people with the same problems you have to find us. So thanks for listening and look forward to speaking to you again soon. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to the ActiveX Backs show. If you found this helpful, please pass along our web address to your friends and colleagues, active-x.co.uk. And please leave us a positive review on iTunes. If you have any questions related to lower back pain or sciatica, send them in and Gavin will aim to answer them in future episodes. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at ActiveXBacks.